Welcome to this episode of the Gig Harbor Flycast. And today I have Jeff Sorensen on the show with me. And I'm super excited for you, you to get to know Jeff. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. The thing that we're, I think that you're going to get a lot out of is we're going to talk about how to prepare for a guide trip in Puget Sound, especially fishing the saltwater. And we have a lot of trips that go out. Uh, and it's a little bit different than what other people or most of you have experienced. And so uh, hopefully this will help you feel confident going into uh, that fishery and that experience. Um, and so welcome, Jeff. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You didn't really have a choice, though. Yeah. Well, when the <laughs> boss calls, you come. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but uh, we recently had Aaron O'Brien on the podcast, and uh, many of you have reached out and um, just said that how much you loved that uh, that episode. I'm not just saying this because Aaron's here just hanging out with us. He heard that we were doing drinks today, so he showed up. Uh, but, but, uh, but if you haven't seen that episode or listened to to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You got to go back and listen to that one because uh, if you want to know when and where to fish in Washington, we covered a lot. We didn't cover everything uh, and we might have to sit down and do another episode talking about more opportunities in Washington, but we we really did cover spring, summer, fall, uh, saltwater, freshwater. I mean, we it was it was quite it was it was a beautiful thing, really. It really was. So uh, but today we do have drinks, and so we have uh, we have Manhattan's today, and uh, and it's with a bullet rye whiskey, uh, Carpano Antica Ver- sweet vermouth, and Angostura bitters, uh, which is really the currency of the realm, and uh, and then a Luxardo Maraschino cherry, and gosh, if I don't say so myself, it's really good. It's, it's really good. This is, this is a good one. So if you're just listening on audio, um, we even have them in the fancy rep your water, uh, glasses and, um, which one you have yours. It has like trout They my, my son says that they're the sharks, but, um, they kind of look like a, a shark, but it's like a top down view of the trout. And then mine is there's a feeding bonefish and a permit on there. And, um, I'm trying to trying to get some mojo going for upcoming Belize trip. Cause last year we, we had some fun with bonefish and permit, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Unless you've caught bonefish and permit. Not. not yet. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be there when you catch your first permit. I would love that. Okay. So, uh, so, so Jeff, you've been, you've been fly fishing a long time. You've been, you've been in gig Harbor quite a while too. Um, what, where did you grow up and then what got you into fishing and then what got you into fly fishing? I grew up in Southern California and moved up to Washington state in 1995 and grew up fishing, lake fishing with my dad. Um, we would go up into the San Gabriel mountains every opening day and, um, for me suffer, um, and catch a bunch of trout and have a great time. And when I moved up here, I had a buddy who was in fly fishing and I jumped in with both feet and, haven't gear fished since. Oh man, you're missing out on so I am. much. <laughs> I am. I think I'm ready to get back into it a little bit. But. Yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, I gear fishing with my dad in lakes like that. I mean, growing up in Northern California, we did that a ton. Like, and it was you know dry. I remember all of like, um, geez, what do they call? I don't know. It's like a it's a flasher setup, and you you definitely know that we are a bunch of fly anglers because we, we start talking about gear fishing and we have, we have no idea what we're saying. So 
but there was all of these flasher things in a row flasher things that's like the technical, technical. name for them yeah and so there was all these flasher things in a row there's like four or five of them and uh and then you'd have like your leader or there was like a i think it was called a snubber it was like this like rubberized um uh it was it had like a swivel on e on each end and then it was like it was like vinyl tubing uh with like this curly mono inside of it that was like supposed to give you like shock absorption or something did you use those? No, I don't think so. Okay, don't yeah. think so, so. You don't, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen these things? Oh, I, yeah. Definitely. Okay, okay, definitely. yeah. And then you'd have your leader material, and and I don't know what you guys trolled around, but but we were all about the wedding ring. Hmm. Like, have you seen those? Yeah. Okay, yeah. little plastic. So if you haven't seen a wedding ring, it's it's uh, you have like they're like uh, incrementally larger like plastic eggs uh, that go from small to big, and then there's like this beautiful beautiful diamond ring in the middle of it and then and then the other side it just tapers down with the same little plastic eggs and like we would fish the orange one or the red one or the chartreuse one sometimes too and then and then if the secret sauce really was to just put a little piece of corn on and i have like fish don't eat corn i have no idea what they think that that is I mean, for a while when I was a kid, I'm like, do they think it's a maggot? (laughs) And see, I was already thinking about match the hatch, right? So I was born to be a a fly fisherman. So does your, so your dad, like, did, were you able to get him into fly fishing at all? Or or he's like, he's like, you've turned to the dark side. Ultimately he has gotten into fly fishing and I meet him every year for a trip. They still live in California and we get to hang out for a week. And it was my grandfather who uh, was a fly fisherman in Northern Utah. And okay. uh, I went out a couple times as a kid with him and, and loved it. Loved wow. being on a river and not in a boat watching a bobber all day. And it was fantastic. Well, there's a lot of fly fishermen that watch a bobber all day too. True story. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So you guys do an annual trip. Where do you, where do you go? We uh, meet at the San Juan uh, in New Mexico, which is about an hour south of Durango, Colorado. Yeah. And uh, fish 24, 26, 28 size midges for a week and catch really, really nice trout down there. I don't even understand how you can hang on to a nice trout on a size 26 or 28. Like that's, that's insanely small. Yeah. It's, insanely it's, small. I've never been to the San Juan. So how many years have you guys been fishing the San Juan? I have been there four or five years now. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. We go every fall, and it's a great trip. More than anything, it's a great time to hang out with my dad. Sure. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm I've never fished it. I'm really curious uh, about uh, about the river. Um, any dry fly opportunity. I mean, I know that I've heard about the San Juan Shuffle, about moving your feet to dislodge, you know, all the aquatic uh, critters uh, below you, and the, those fish just feed like crazy subsurfacely. But is there dry fly opportunity there too? There are. There are. Um, not. I haven't run into it a lot. Um, but like anywhere on a cloudy day, um, yeah. you can fish uh, little tiny midge dries and, and I've taken fish, plenty of fish on dries there. Yeah. Do you, do you always go in the fall or like when do you normally go? We, we used to go spring and fall and found that the weather was just too unpredictable in the spring um, for our taste anyway. And so we've settled in on an October trip and it's, it's perfect. Man, it seems like trout fishermen, they always want to go fishing in the summer, July, August. They, I mean... I don't know why people really want to go fishing in August. I really don't like August. I prefer January. But but October, is there a better... I wish we had three months of October. It's 
October is glorious. Okay, so what about streamers? You guys, I mean, it's October. Like, that's fall time, streamer time. You guys do any streamer fishing too? Absolutely. Yeah, streamer fishing is great there. Man. Trout spade? Have you, have you tried it out at all? I have like, not. Um, okay. I asked our guide this year, and um, he kind of steered me away from it. Um, but those guys are very much into the nymphine midge game. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I think my next trip, I'm going to bring my trout spade and give it a whirl. Sure. Well, and it's interesting because you said your guide, right? And, and, um, and, you know, so like being in the industry for a while and getting a, an opportunity to fish a lot of different fisheries, it, it's really fun to see how guides operate on the water because, um, guides, they know how to be successful, yeah. but they have their program, right? And, and they, and one of the, I would, I would say one of the, keys to success in being an angler that consistently catches fish is to minimize minimize the variables right and so um so you you figure out what works and then you really want to minimize the variables like i it drives me crazy it doesn't drive me crazy but since people are listening in i'll i'll say that it doesn't drive me crazy but but really between you and i it drives me crazy it drives me crazy when people really insist on bringing their own stuff and their own gear, which sometimes is fine, which is great, but it really makes me nervous. And that's why it drives me crazy. Cause like, I don't want to be nervous. I want to, I want to have a good time on the water and put people on fish. But, but I, but sometimes, uh, it, it, it puts a variable in. So quick story, um, back in the day before I had seen the light, uh, now I only swing flies for steelhead, but once upon a time in a land far, far away, I, I would nymph for steelhead. I'm so sorry. Oh gosh. I'm so sorry. But, and I had this, I had, this, I had these great rods for, for doing this, right? So I had these 10 foot eight weight Scott rods that were just, they loaded like mid flex. Like they were great for just roll casting and mending. And they were like nymphing machines and I had this client uh, insist on fishing his rod. And I was I'm like, why, why is this rod so important to you? And he said, well, back in 1984, I forgot my rod at home and I was coming out here to the Olympic peninsula to fish for steelhead. And I got here and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have my rod. And so I went to, went to the sporting goods store in town. I bought the cheapest rod they had. And I've just always wanted to fish that rod out here. <laughs> And like, you can imagine how, how bad, like a, the cheapest rod you can find today would be right. But back then it's, it was equally as bad, if not worse. And so like this rod would literally not cast 10 feet. Uh, it, it would not put it in the zone. It was, so it was an eight weight rod, which was what we were fishing. Uh, but it was not a fiberglass rod. I mean, not a, uh, uh, what are they made out of these days? Graphite-ish. They are graphite. Like, really, I haven't even finished my drink yet, and I'm already forgetting what words are. So uh, so it, it wasn't a graphite rod. It was this fiberglass rod, and it wasn't even nine feet. I don't even think it was eight and a half. I think it was like an eight-foot, two-inch, eight-weight fiberglass rod. So I tried to put my eight-weight uh, indicator line on it, which is like oversized, overweighted. Dude, it, like, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, and then about halfway through the day, I was finally able to convince him to try the 10 foot rod. 
And then he was blown away by it. He's like, this is the greatest thing ever. This is amazing. And then he he finally caught his first fish, like within maybe 30, 45 minutes of, of changing the rod. Um, and I'm like, oh, if he had only changed it sooner. But so like, yeah, the variables. Guides don't like the variables thrown in, thrown in there. So you, you, you'll just have to insist. I'm bringing the trout spay and I'm going to do it. And we're going to swing soft. Tack- like you can let the guide choose streamer or soft tackle like let him pick and then that the guide will feel like he has a little bit of control in the situation yeah actually i've i've in the last couple of years i've switched to i let my dad and his buddies go out with the guides and i go i go fish by myself yeah so. i then i can control the variables there you go right fish okay one quick story about you during the pandemic during the shutdown we had um man do you guys remember that it was it was horrible it was really horrible. We couldn't fish. We couldn't go anywhere. And I remember I, every day I'd go down to the shop and I would, uh, I would tie a fly on YouTube and then we would send out an e- I would edit the video down and we'd send out an email uh, with the video and um, links to the materials. And then we were doing like curbside delivery and, and you couldn't even fish at that time in Washington for like two months. And, and so, and I remember you, you came in and you're to pick up your, your stuff and you're like, Hey guys, if you just like assemble the stuff like for us, instead of me having to go through and buy all of the individual things to tie this fly, if you just put a kit together, it'd be really helpful. And we were like, oh, like light bulbs, very little light bulb, very little light bulb went on and both of my brain cells like collaborated on it and said, yes, this is a good idea. We should do this. And and so we've been doing fly fly tying material kits and many of you have tied tied using our kits. They've been amazing. They've they're they're great. There's a video that goes with the kit and you can thank Jeff. It was his idea. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I actually yesterday with my family, with my kids, my wife, we assembled material kits <laughs> and took them down to the shop today. So uh, you've created extra work for me. Tell your family I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so what are some of the things that you have really loved fishing locally? I mean, you've been in Washington for 25 years or whatever, almost 30. So some of the Washington stuff that really rises to the top that is your favorite. And this is a long question, so I can have more of my drink and keep keep working on it. All right. I love fishing for sea run cutthroat. Um, I really struggled for a long time to catch them. And once I figured it out, uh, it was so satisfying to me. There's so many opportunities in the Puget Sound area. Do you remember when you caught your first cutthroat? It was probably about the 10th time I went out and fished for them. I, okay. I don't remember specifically. But like, had you been in Washington for quite a while? I had, yes. Okay. And so, you know, they're, they're just a really fun fish to chase and catch. And then, of course, the coho fishing in the Puget Sound is, is bar none. It's, it's, it's as fun a fish as you can catch on a fly. It's, it's true. What's your favorite part about cutthroat? I, I, I'll say that my favorite part is their yellow fins. I love their yellow fins. But what's... I think they're beautiful. And for a small fish, they fight really hard. And, <laughs> and they're true. fun. It's true. I'm just glad you didn't say that you like the uh, the little parasites that live on some of them in the summertime. Yeah, because, not my favorite. Yeah, it's kind of gross. But um, <laughs> but I love uh, so fishing out of the kayaks. Um, one of my favorite favorite things about cutthroat is uh, 
the fish will will chase really close to the kayak because the kayak is very uh, unobtrusive. It's like it's sneaky, and and so you get to see the fish behavior as they're chasing flies. I love seeing them chase, especially when there's multiple a dry fly, like a, a gurgler or something like that. Yeah, that's that, my favorite. That's 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 something you don't see in other fisheries, or at least that I haven't seen in other fisheries. And it's amazing how many fish we caught two feet, three feet from the boat. And oftentimes the client won't see them, and and Aaron and I are are yelling strip, 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 <laughs> yeah. and they have no idea what's happening. Right. It's, it's awesome. They're like, my guide's getting really excited right now, and <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for people that are preparing to come out on a Puget Sound saltwater guided trip, so they're going to, I mean, we, we do walk and wade trips, uh, but really w- the, what the vast majority of anglers do, um, are, uh, the kayak trips in our really stable pedal drive Hobie kayaks. If you, if you guys haven't seen these before, um, the Hobie pro angler is 38 inches wide. This thing is massive. It has like a lazy boy uh, as a chair, super comfortable. Um, it, I mean, I'm just waiting for maybe next year when they they put heated seats in them. Like that would be pretty amazing. <laughs> but um, they're they're crazy stable. They're crazy easy to move. It does not take much physical exertion. Um, but but I would I would say, I mean, why do you why do you prefer people to book a kayak trip instead of the walking away trip? I mean, we've talked about this before, but I would love to love for you to share this uh with others listening in yeah i think very simply it allows you to cover more beach um it's difficult in washington to find accessible beach uh the areas are fairly small and from a kayak we can go kind of wherever we want and and it gives just i mean the success rate just skyrockets in a fishing from a kayak Okay. Especially if you're just throwing an indicator out 10, 10 feet. No, I'm just kidding. Right. We, we, so before we, before we hit record, we were Aaron and Jeff and I, we were joking around and, and just kind of having a good laugh about, um, about fishing indicators. And we were talking about, uh, doing that in Puget Sound and, um, and you know, uh, Aaron's like, Oh, I've, I've caught him doing that before. And, and there was, n- there was no judgment from Jeff or nor me. I swear. I swear. <laughs> didn't think twice yeah right didn't even think twice about it so so if people really want to be prepared to show up on a trip um you know a lot of times people think okay i'm going on a guide trip i need to grab my waders and my boots and my hat and my rod but that's that's not necessarily the required equipment or uh, suggested equipment for showing up on a trip with us so so equipment wise and then we'll talk about some other stuff too but equipment wise what really what do people need to bring with them? Nothing. I think you need to dress comfortably for the weather. Layers are always an, a nice thing to have in, in Western Washington. And other than that, we provide all the gear. I'm, you know, we're happy to allow people to fish their own stuff, but it, it's unique to me in, in the, in the guided trips that I've done where you have to show up with your own stuff and both Aaron and I provide everything you need. It's, it's really, you just show up, with yourself and okay i'll i'll put a little asterisk on there to add on and i will say having long pants that are like a lightweight nylon or some sort of some sort of lightweight hiking pant or something like that um because i've i've had plenty of clients show up in shorts and no sunscreen not realizing 
how much uh, light intensity reflects off the water. And then just, you know, we, we get some really nice days in July and August. And, man, I we've gone back to the boat ramp with some lobsters, some, <laughs> some, some pretty red. Uh, but so for footwear, people, everyone asks about footwear um, because, you know, you're okay, you're fishing out of the kayak, but what about getting in and out of the kayak? What should people put on their feet? Something that they aren't afraid to get wet. Um, really, any shoe will work. A water shoe, um, sandals are great, but again, back to the sun exposure. Um, if you're not regularly in the sun with bare feet, then wear something, you know, socks and sandals are uh, frowned upon at times. But in this case, we're not going to judge. <laughs> <laughs> I I prefer to go barefoot in the kayaks because it just makes me feel like I'm on vacation. But but if you yeah if your feet have not seen the sun in 12 months, maybe that's not the day. Like if you're out on the water all day, there your feet are elevated and they're just like just getting super burnt. So definitely bring sunscreen along, um, you know. But maybe like wearing some sandals or wearing some socks that. Uh, that definitely can be helpful. Um, you mentioned layers, and I totally agree with you because the front storage on these kayaks is so massive. If you bring a fleece along in the morning, it, like even in July, it can be chilly in the morning. But bringing a fleece, bringing a jacket, like there's plenty of place to stow uh, stow layers on the in the kayak with the storage that we have, um, and having sun protection. I think is, is totally great. Okay. So there's some other ways that people can prepare for one of these trips. Um, we're, we're pretty much doing, I mean, we made the joke about, about fishing indicators and I know a lot of people love to do that, but that's not something we do in the saltwater. We, we are pretty much streamer fishing, even if we're fishing topwater. So if someone hasn't booked, booked a trip before and they want to book a trip to come out and kayak fish with us, what sets them up for success in preparation like what what should they be thinking about casting is is very simply the one thing that they should work on uh if they're a new if they're new to fly fishing i think stopping by the shop and signing up for a quick casting lesson is is a very good idea and uh, if you are if you are pretty accomplished at fly fishing this is this is unique in that you know, we ask people to cast these streamers 40, 50 feet is um, a really good skill to have. So getting out to a local park or parking lot or wherever and practicing some casting is 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 going to set you up for the for success. Yeah, even even though we're in the kayaks looking at the shore, casting back at the shore, there are there's so many times where behind you is a mile of water. It's it's a it's big water and and um and so getting some casting practice in and even if people are in town for just a couple days and they have a trip on the books and um gosh our staff they I mean they they can make the availability to go down to the park and work just for an hour with you on on getting some distance I I I agree being able to being able to to hit forty feet fifty feet. Um, and some of the, the rods and the lines that our staff are using on the water, our guides, they're designed for, for distance and, uh, and loading the rod and really shooting some line. They're not designed for like, for like precision. Um, you know, like, I mean, gosh, talk about precision. We're talking about the San Juan, right? Like earlier, um, the, the lines we're using the outbound shore and some of these other lines that are designed for distance, you still have to know how to 
let that rod load and and then be able to shoot that line. Um, what what should people? The other thing I was thinking about too is is when a fish chases, we're stripping the fly, we're retrieving the fly. I mean, any tips on what people should do when that fish is hot on that fly and comes up and eats that thing? Well, that's this the next sort of catch to this fishery is learning to strip set and and kind of forgetting all the other fishing that you've done and trout set <laughs> and it's it's hard it's it's a mistake that that we all make yeah. I'm pretty sure at least I do and um, that's you know quick strip and then a strip set is is critical to landing these fish. Yeah, I think sometimes if it, you know we get freaked out with a fish that is after the fly and we just kind of revert back to what we first started out with with trout fishing and a lot of times i just tell people just keep stripping just keep stripping until you're tight to the fish i mean don't don't set the hook like just keep stripping you know i'm thinking in my head like the strip is going to be the the set you know but um but so um it's it's pretty fun like taking people internationally on hosted trips to belize to cuba like all over the place i have had so many Outfitters and guides tell me that the clients that we bring on those trips um, are like they're impressed with their angling ability. And I think part of it is because in Puget Sound, you have to cast, you have to cast, or I mean, you don't have to, but it definitely helps to throw that fly out there. I mean, you want distance. But then the retrieve, being able to manage the line and having that familiarity of, of grabbing that line and pulling it across your hand as you're stripping it in and then the strip set and being able to, to fight the fish. Um, it translates, it's, it's great training ground for bonefish, for permit, for tarpon, for like so many of the different saltwater species. It really sets people up for success that are looking at doing some of those international travel trips and stuff like that. I think sometimes maybe people from the Rockies, have maybe a more difficult time translating what their experience has been to something very exotic. But Puget Sound, even though the water is freezing cold, um, it it really has a, um, a, a, it translates a lot differently into some of those other fisheries. And so it's really fun. Well, this next year, I'm super excited to have you uh, on our on our guide staff. Uh, we're doing half day trips. If any of you are interested in booking a trip, we're doing half day trips until um, I, what is it? Until the end of April or beginning of April? I think it's the end. Yeah, it might be the end. And then May starts our season of full day guided trips. And um, and so if you want to get a trip on the books with Jeff or Aaron or one of our guide staff, like please reach out. Uh, we have a lot of really fun stuff planned for this next summer. Puget Sound is, uh, I mean, it's in our backyard and we take it for granted so much, but it's such a really unique and cool fishery. Um, there's not a lot of places where you can catch sea run cutthroat trout in the salt water. And so, uh, so check out our website for booking a trip. We have a lot of links in the show notes down below or the description on YouTube. Thanks for joining us today. We will definitely have Jeff back uh, on another round for sure. Maybe we might be able to convince Aaron to join in. It'll be the three of us. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out something to banter about. Um, and if you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe so you get all the no notifications about the new episodes that are coming out. Thanks. Yeah.